Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I have with me a very, very successful and interesting entrepreneur from Australia, Mr. David Cordova. David, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, David is the founder of Kids Unlimited. He's an entrepreneur, a mentor, and an angel investor. So, David, let's talk about Kids Unlimited. Tell me about this venture and your motivation to start it. Yeah, so Kids Unlimited is uh, an enrichment provider, and it, it all kind of came about, uh, well, as as most uh, entrepreneurial journeys do, with, with a story about myself and a problem that I wanted to solve. And so um, I, I can still remember uh, a day back in about uh, 2014 mm-hmm. uh, where I had uh, on a Friday afternoon, I had to finish work early every Friday afternoon to take my son to a swimming lesson. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting in traffic in Melbourne at uh, 3.30 in the afternoon, mm-hmm. you know, having finished work at 2.30 so that I could get to, to school to pick him up mm-hmm. um, and started thinking about you know, how much uh, time and energy was being spent to take my son to this half an hour swimming lesson. Wow. And it wasn't about the fifteen or sixteen dollars that we were paying for the lesson, yeah. mm-hmm. and and when I worked it out, it was something like fifteen man hours that were being used uh, to get you know me to finish work early, take take uh, you know the car, go to school early, pick him up, mm-hmm. get him to the swimming lesson. Uh, you know, my wife would be picking up another child at the same time. We had a grandparent picking up a third child and a and an au pair at home looking after a fourth child, mm-hmm. and there was just a, a lot of a lot of time being used mm. for for this um, for this one activity. Correct. Right. So it got me thinking about um, you know all all children uh, you know need to be doing extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a major part of it's a major part of growing up. Correct. But what if what if all of those activities were closer together and more convenient for the parents? So we started a uh, we, we we started a. a a company called Kids Unlimited. We mm-hmm. got ourselves a, a, a building and we put in six or seven different activities mm-hmm. all in the one location. And the idea at the time was that it would be like a shopping mall mm-hmm. for children's activities. You know, kind of think a shopping mall meets mm-hmm. Disneyland mm-hmm. And, and kids could just come there. There would be one trip for the parents and they could spend two or three hours and they could have siblings there mm-hmm. and it would, it would just be a much more convenient way Oh, for children to, to participate in those extracurricular activities. Mm. And what are the areas that you started off with and what areas are you working in now? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess when, when, we, when we started, uh, we had already a, a deep involvement. We had a company that was doing chess programs in schools. Mm-hmm. And so chess uh, became kind of a, um, a kind of a, a staple mm-hmm. in the programs we were running. Mm-hmm. But then we also looked at what skills and what skills and programs would be needed for, uh, you know, young people to become, uh, I guess, most successful adults mm. as they grew. And so we did, we had science programs, we had coding, robotics, uh, and it was to start off with mostly in that science, technology, engineering, maths, that STEM field. Mm. Um, since then, we've expanded from that and we've now got karate and soccer and other physical education programs. Mm-hmm. We've also done cooking programs, arts and design. We've mm. got... Um, We've got 
the programs in uh, sort of public speaking, uh, and, and we've even got an entrepreneurship program as well now. Wow! So we've kind of started with with the, with that sort of uh, you know STEM focus, and then have branched out, and we've now got eighteen different areas. Mm. Um, all of this was in uh, metropolitan Melbourne, um, and of course, like with any entrepreneurial journey, uh, you know what you think is going to be a good model to start off with isn't always the the right, right model. Mm. So. We, we started with um, five different locations across Melbourne in these centres, and uh, then we actually we actually recognised after a couple of years of building uh, physical locations that it was much better to be working uh, through schools. Mm. And so now our now our model is that we provide an exclusive service to schools mm -hmm. where we can provide all of their extracurricular programs. And this is, uh, again, another level of convenience mm -hmm. uh, where previously schools might have 30 to 50 different providers coming on site mm. each, uh, you know, each school term <clears throat> to run to run these e extra programs uh, mm. at the school. Mm. But managing 30 to 50 different people is a huge job for the school. Correct. Correct. So when Kids Unlimited can be a one-stop shop, mm. we can come in and we can offer this broad range of different activities, mm -hmm. sometimes at the school hadn't even uh you know it wasn't even aware of mm. um, and then of course we can we can help them uh you know in a much more convenient way because mm. they're only dealing with one relationship and they know that okay after that it doesn't mm. matter how many subjects how many programs are being offered mm. so that's 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 the, that's the story yeah fascinating but tell me uh david the the whole uh idea was because you were stuck in a car for one hour uh, by being offering, by being able to offer these in different schools, are you taking the commute out for parents? Exactly, exactly. So now the the programs are now running at school immediately before or after school, or sometimes even during the school day at lunchtime, or, or children are coming out of class. So it means that the it means that the you know the parents don't even have to do that one commute where they would take them from school to the to the after to the extracurricular center. So yeah, we've we've made it even more convenient. Is is Wonderful. the is the idea? Wonderful. You also state when I was reading about you that Kids Unlimited turns interest into excellence. Um, help me understand this with some examples. Yeah, sure. So we have a philosophy of education called a T-shaped learner, mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we're trying to build. Uh, and a T-shaped learner is is something that is um, becoming more and more. Uh, widely recognised as mm -hmm. as a as a valuable set of a set of skills, and what a T-shaped yeah. learner is, it's got a breadth of experiences mm -hmm. and a depth of expertise mm -hmm. in in one of those. And it's that breadth of experience that is really important. And you can read, uh, you know, modern modern writers like David Epstein, mm -hmm. who talks about uh, generalists uh, and about the value that mm -hmm. comes from um, having experience in many different areas. Yeah. So what we what we do is we offer programs, uh, a breadth of programs to students, knowing that it, particularly in primary school, in the ages of say, you know, seven to 10 or 12 years old, mm -hmm. um, it's natural for children to be experimenting and trying different things. Mm -hmm. When they find something that they are truly interested in because they've had an opportunity to experience a number of different uh, opportunities mm. then they can then they can drill down mm. and and develop expertise mm. and really go go further and and what we can what we can offer schools for example 
is a much wider breadth because we're we're uh, you know a specialized extracurricular provider mm. much wider breadth than they could find themselves mm. and then we can also provide tutors and teachers who have got much deeper expertise and could take the children a lot further mm. down that journey mm. and we've had that for example uh with with coding um where we've had students who uh you know get involved you know in a sort of try and uh you know learn and try type mm-hmm. of program and then they find that it's something that they become passionate about mm. and then they can end up actually developing apps for the app store and sometimes even commercializing those things wow. and, and, and running them as uh mm. running them as as commercial opportunities we had one student who was uh who created a business uh for himself where he would take projects uh from from uh upwork which is an outsourcing site mm. and he would repost them on upwork and he was just the middleman and he would organize uh somebody to 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 manage the, he would be managing the project and solving it for one person but charging uh you know a, a higher rate so you know just interesting different um different experiences mm-hmm. and there's you know there's dozens of ex- examples where where we've got students who find their passion mm-hmm. who get very excited by by some particular subject uh, you know it could be chess where we've got I mean, chess, we've had a, an involvement for a long period of time. Mm. And so we've now got students that we worked with when they were six and seven years old mm. now coming back and actually working in the industry and developing themselves a career mm. in in that field. Mm. So, you know, it's about it's about that breadth of expert experiences leading to finding a passion that you can then really, uh, you know, become become excellent and get that deep expertise in some area, mm. an area that you want to. Um, which I think is, it, it's the it's it's a much more uh, sustainable approach mm-hmm. to education, um, and what I think what we what I saw you know when I was growing up and maybe you were in the same same situation there were these tiger parents Correct. where they take the children to maths tuition and violin lessons and it didn't really matter what mm-hmm. the children were looking for Correct. they were pushed very early on sometimes to become prodigies, and. And I think what we're realizing in the world now is that that head start is not really a head start. Absolutely. You know, the fact that you were the fact that you're a genius mathematician by age 10 because you've been doing so much work for the last five years doesn't actually give you any advantage in the long run. Correct. You get a much bigger advantage by having a broad range of experiences, mm. starting maths when you're 10, using that natural ability and interest, mm. and 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 then by the time you're 15, you're the same place you would have been if you'd been uh, kind of hothoused through through your through your early years and you're a child prodigy. But you're now at this same point with a much broader set of experiences, which makes you a much more creative thinker. Very well said. And, you know, everything that you just told me about tiger parents, I'm so familiar with it in India because we are a high-pressure situation, large population. And I mean, I've been seeing it since the time I was a child and I'm now 65 years old. But uh, uh, moving on, I mean, I really wanted to ask you, how are parents? And when I say parents, parents you now have are probably millennials or Gen Zs. How are the younger parents reacting to uh, the work that Kids Unlimited is doing for their children? Yeah, I think um, it's it's, they're really embracing it Mm. because you know i guess a lot of them have grown up with tiger parents themselves and they still everybody always wants the best for their child Mm. everyone always wants their children 
to to be better than what they were. Correct. That's that's natural, and um, you know you 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 can't you can't you can't ever get away from that. Mm. What the parents are now looking for, though, is a way that their children can be better than them, mm. but with uh, a humanistic approach, with a more personalized approach. Mm. So they're actually looking for things that the children are interested in, not saying, right, well, I know best for you mm. and and pushing them down down a, a particular track. Mm. And I think we see that, you know, a little bit with, um, I guess, some of the, the, the sort of more personalized education or the more... Uh, the more relaxed education style mm. that is coming uh, across the world mm. um, where those exam focuses and that hot housing, um, you know, it's, it's realized that that creates a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and, and negative outcomes for students mentally mm. and doesn't necessarily give them better academic outcomes or life outcomes. Mm. And so now, um, you know, coming with the fact that, you know, we walk around with mobile phones in our pocket with with all the world's information you mm. know, at a touch of a button. Yeah. You know, the parents recognize that in order to succeed, in order to become a, you know, a, a 21st century uh, learner and therefore a successful adult, mm. it's not about what you know, it's about the skills that you have. Mm. And I think more than that, they're transitioning now and we, when we look into the future, not just the knowledge and the skills, mm. but also the attitudes that the children have. Mm. And, and, you know, I guess that realization that, you know, all the knowledge in the world isn't going to help you become successful. It's about the skills that you have to apply that. Mm -hmm. That's where we're at the moment. And what we're seeing in the next five and 10 and 20 years mm. is the realization from, from parents and educators that all the knowledge and all the skills in the world mm. still isn't going to help you. You need the right attitude. Mm. And, and developing that attitude of uh, you know of a lifelong learner, of a creative uh, thinker, of a problem mm. solver, mm. you know that's part of, of of what we have to do with children as well. Correct. And that's where extracurricular programs are so critically important because mm. that it it helps them to develop that that hunger, that appetite mm. for learning. Mm. Very interesting, David. You also uh, focus a lot on chess, and you know you mentioned it. Uh, few minutes earlier as well i wanted to ask you why is chess good for kids yeah so i mean I, i've got a passion for chess I've, I've loved playing chess for my whole life mm. um but it is it is a really good um way of developing transferable skills mm -hmm. and and developing attitudes about uh learning and about uh life really that that can be applied um you know initially in this game environment, which is mm. fun and exciting and engaging for kids, yeah. but then those same skills and attitudes right. help you in, in life. And so I found, particularly as an entrepreneur, um, you know, trying to build businesses, um, you know, across Australia and across the world over the last, uh, you know, 25 years, mm. if I didn't have the ability to think ahead and analyze problems and, you know, s select the best you know, what I think is the best option at the time, mm -hmm. and then accept that sometimes the path that you chose isn't the right option, mm -hmm. which which is all comes from playing chess, where right. I picked a move and then I thought it was the best move and I get to the end and it's like, well, actually, you still lost. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to then pick yourself up, try again, um, and, you know, they talk about failing fast. You know, this is the, 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 the you know, the startup community in the entrepreneurial world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been great to see how, 
uh, you know, how vibrant that's become and how much, uh, you know, people around the world mm. are really taking to entrepreneurship. But I think a lot of the skills that you, that you need um, can be actually taught from chess as mm. a metaphor. Um, so it's a, it's a really engaging, interesting, fun game. Mm. And I'm not saying chess is the best game in the world. There are many, many yeah. games. Mm -hmm. But chess has this unique position in the world where it's been around mm. for two and a half, 3,000 years. Right. Actually, it, it, it started in India. Mm. And, and we have this culture of chess, these thousands of years of history, of mm. stories, of personalities, mm. of, uh, of, of knowledge that's built up around it, which you don't have in some other games, which are maybe mm. equally as strategic and equally right. as valuable learning tools. Right. But chess yeah. just has this, um, you know, this, this really rich and warm history that makes it so engaging for students. Mm. So I think everybody should learn how to play chess in the world, mm. not to become a grandmaster, yeah. but to develop some problem-solving skills, mm. to develop some resilience about, you know, an understanding about winning and losing, mm. um, to develop some analytical skills, mm. which, uh, you know, actually when you look at some of the, the curriculums around the world, mm. the, the skills that you're learning in chess are the same as what they call uh, digital literacy in Australia, mm. or, or you know, what you can also call computational thinking, mm. which which they're teaching children through coding now as well. Um, and so it's the same skills, but presented in a in a, a kind of a different format. Uh, I think it's a, a fantastic game. I agree. And do you see a lot of uh, the kids who are part of Kids Unlimited taking up chess uh, as as a something they like? Yeah, look, chess is one of our, it's one of our staples. It's one of our mainstays um, because, you know, we had a, we've had a, a very long involvement in chess. I, I personally, I have. Mm. So it was always something that we really wanted as an extracurricular program, mm. uh, you know, because it really, it really does let children progress very quickly at mm. a very young age if they want to. Mm. Um, and it, so it's really fantastic sort of confidence building for a six-year-old when they're beating uh, and playing on equal footing with 12-year-olds or with adults. You know, it, gives, it gives them the belief in themselves, mm. which is such an important, uh, you know, such an important attitude to have. Mm. Like, yes, I can do it. I can do anything. Yeah. The fact that I'm six years old doesn't mm. mean I can't play against an adult. So, yeah, chess is, uh, you know, it's maybe... It's maybe in almost all of the schools that we work with are very close to all of them. And we do, we do encourage, uh, you know, probably 40 or 50% of our, of our students mm. to get involved at some point with, uh, with a chess program. Mm. Um, because yeah, I, I think it's a, a fantastic activity. Amazing. Uh, my next question to David is uh, we've just started to come out of the pandemic. How has the pandemic impacted uh, extracurricular activities, especially with so much homeschooling going on. Wow, the the pandemic was an incredibly difficult two years. Um, you know, in in Australia, and we're in Melbourne. Melbourne was the most locked down city yeah, in the right. world. Mm -hmm. So we had uh, we had basically two years where the children only went to school for thirteen weeks over those mm -hmm. two years, mm -hmm. and and it wasn't in a row. It was like a couple of weeks here, a couple of weeks there. So it was mm. extremely disrupted. <clears throat> we, we were, um, you know, we could see very early on, you know, March 2020, when when the first school lockdown, I think it was March the 9th, 2020, the first school lockdown in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. um, by the 23rd of March, all the schools were in lockdown. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we were, I guess, <clears throat> lucky that in that period, we recognised uh, 
the the potential devastation that was about to happen, mm. and we took our uh, skills in uh, you know in in business mm-hmm. uh, and technology to to move all of our programs to online delivery. Wow. Okay. So on the twenty third of March, we had about one hundred and seventy programs that we moved on that day from on site delivery to online delivery, mm. and so we could maintain those programs for mm. students. Uh, as we went into the pandemic. Mm. So as we went through the pandemic, uh, you know, it's it's a very interesting, I mean, we could spend a whole episode just talking about, you know, how the pandemic affected Correct. learning and education and, mm. and students in general. Um, I guess to answer your question directly about now that we're out of the pandemic, what we're seeing immediately out of the pandemic mm. is, um, is, is a natural kind of fear and uncertainty where people have come out of a very unstable period mm. and they're they're very um they're finding it very difficult to do something new because mm. to do something new you need confidence and and people don't have confidence in the world mm. uh you know right now <clears throat> so um what we what we saw you know through the pandemic was that as a school would open mm. the appetite for extracurricular activities was you know three times as high as normal mm. because people were starved for it. Correct. But now that the, as the pandemic went on longer and longer, mm. it, it built more and more fear and distrust and, and you know, disruption into people's lives. Mm. And so we're coming out of it much slower mm. than we did as, you know, halfway through the first year mm. and at the end of the first year and all those times that we started uh, emerging. Mm. Um, so I think people are finding, uh, you know, still finding their feet. Mm-hmm. What we've, I guess, seen is that that first six months, people were very nervous to come back to normality. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're seeing in the second half of this year, and, and you know, we're now in in, in August, mm-hmm. um, is that numbers have gone back to pre-pandemic levels. Mm-hmm. And I think they will continue to expand mm-hmm. because, um, you know, another one of those, uh, I guess, those mental shifts that happened across the last two years mm-hmm. were that people realised that they need to do what, they are passionate about. Right. You know, we saw things like the Great Resignation. Mm. You know, where where people change jobs because well, if I'm not loving this, you know, there's more to life. Yeah. So this is this is what uh, we're we're seeing it, mm. that there was a, there was a real fear of going back to normal. People were, I guess, used to being at home. They mm. had to cover off on their their basics. You know, their their reading, writing, arithmetic. Mm. They had to get back into the routine of school. Mm. You know, you can imagine there's a whole group of students who are seven, eight years old, who've never been to school before, you know, and normally they would have had two years of yep. learning how mm. to function in that environment. So they're stabilizing themselves. Mm. And by the end of this year, I think we're going to see the demand for those extra programs uh, much higher than it was pre-pandemic levels as, as people go, well, you know, they, they now have seen firsthand for, for 20 years, we were teaching programs and, and I was involved in education pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we always talked about resilience, mm. but we're very lucky in Australia. We have a, a, a very uh, you know wealthy country, a very comfortable country to live in. Mm. Um, and we never really knew why we were teaching people about resilience. We didn't Perfect. need resilience. Perfect. We didn't need it until we needed it. Mm. And then through the pandemic, we saw this is what resilience is. Perfect. This is what you, this is why we've been learning that. Mm. And so... Yeah, I think there's there's going to be that, uh, you know, now people feeling more comfortable. Okay, this is something, COVID is something we're going to live with. Mm-hmm. And and we have to work on those, you know, problem solving, those creative thinking, those 
you know, those diverse programs mm. that, that are the sorts of things that helped us to mean that the pandemic was a two-year mm. uh, blip rather than a, a, a five-year or a 10-year disaster. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think... Well said, well said. That's, <laughs> well said. I have time for one more question, David, and this question is for the many, many people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your amazing journey in the world, the world of education, supporting so many children, what would you say are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from your learnings and from our conversation? So I think the first one is about attitude. Yeah. Um, that that you have to believe in yourself yeah. and you have to be willing to try. Yeah. So show up. Opportunities come to people who, who show up. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, take all the opportunities that are available to you, show mm. up, mm. don't be afraid to, to, to fail or to make mistakes because yeah. that's going to happen, uh, you know, all the time. And yeah. that will just that will just make you make you stronger. Wonderful. So I think uh, I think that I think being a generalist, taking a breadth of uh, experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're interested in coding and you want to become a, a you know a, the next uh, Bill Gates or the next Steve Jobs or the next uh, you know Elon Musk, mm-hmm. don't just be a coder. Mm-hmm. You know, look at look at what the most successful people in the world are doing now, and they've got broad ranges of experiences. Okay. People are saying, well, how does Elon Musk do it? How mm-hmm. does he manage? All these different companies in different different domains, mm. you know, as as a as a as an entrepreneur or as, as someone who wants to be successful, even in a, in employment situation, mm. understand a little bit about a lot of different things. Mm. You know, really spread your wings and get a breadth of experiences in 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 lots of different areas because that's going to help you become more creative. You take something from one area and put it into a different area, and all of a sudden you're a genius because no one ever thought of doing that before. But it's exactly what someone else has been doing maybe for 100 years mm. in a different domain. Fascinating. Fascinating. David, on that note, uh, and uh, what you just said, you don't know, believe in yourself, have the right attitude, be a generalist, show up, don't be afraid to fail. Uh, thank you so much for speaking to me and for sharing some amazing thoughts. I mean, I learned the term T-shaped learning for the first time. I had no idea what T-shaped learning is. Thank you also for talking to me about chess and how chess can you know build some amazing values and strengths in children thank you for speaking to me and good luck my pleasure thank you thank you for listening to the brand called you videocast and podcast a platform that brings you knowledge experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.